This week on the latest episode of The Big Show, it's movies, movies, movies. We got the Barbenheimer. We're going to, is it the, did I, did I, yeah. I pronounce that correctly? The Barbenheimer. We're going to talk about They Clone Tyrone. We're going to talk about Talk to Me, which Charles Kirkland Jr. swears is the best movie of the weekend. Probably not. We'll have all that and more on the latest episode, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. Experience life through the eyes of a true film addict. Keeping it real with Film Gordon. And welcome to the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am Tim Gordon, and I am joined by my partner in crime, Charles Kirkland Jr. Charles, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing great today. Uh, peace up, peace to all my family in uh, Rocky Mount who just went through that uh, tornado. Fortunately, everyone is doing well, so we praise the Lord. All right, well, that's what's going on, man. All right, man, well, you know, normally it's the summertime, and we use phrases like the dog days of summer. It really is dog days right now because there's two strikes going on, (laughs) so it ain't really nothing going on, man. (laughs) No, I mean, actually, the stuff is happening because it happened before the strike. It's just like, well, yeah, man, but I'm saying that there's really no new activity, really nothing to report. Uh, I'm going to start today's show uh, with what's on the screen. You know, this, this was a big press release week for the Foundation for the Augmentation of African-Americans in Film, which I happen to be the founder and executive director, or actually the founder, president, CEO of, pretty much. Um, No, I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm just saying that that's what it is, what it is, man. Um, Charles is pointing at the monitor because we had uh, a technical technical malfunction right in the middle of my read. Everything has gone dark in the studio. I want to say, you want me to press a button? All right. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know what happened, man. I guess I'll have to do this by feel. There it is. Yeah, we're back. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So early this week, man, uh, we finally went public with news that I think we've internally known for several weeks since the, the, the strike started. Uh, well, let me, let me back up. When the writers went on strike on May 2nd, we, at that point, thought with our uh, 7th Annual Black Real Awards that we would just kind of streamline it down. We knew we didn't want to have any writers. We knew that the actors would be standing in solidarity. So we were just going to do a low-key kind of just announce the, the winners, have a run of show. And then things changed, Charles. When the actors went on strike, we were like, nah, I just think it would be in bad taste to try to do an award show because... Technically, it's not just actors and writers that are down, but it's the entire support infrastructure of everybody else, production designers, costume designers, editors, everybody else are down as well, right? So we announced in a press release that went out earlier this week that we were moving the 7th Annual uh, Black Real Television Awards, which originally was supposed to have been on August the 14th, to January the 13th now, and we're combining it with the Black Real Awards, the 24th Annual Black Real Awards. So it's going to be one huge show. Movie and television awards. Movie and television combined. Now, there's some people who will say, yeah, you guys used to do that back in the day. We did, but Mm -hmm. we haven't combined them in like six or seven years, right? Right, right. So now you've got... um, 
you've got <laughs> like 46 or 47 categories. Something like that. It's crazy yeah. right now. So we're going to figure out how to do that and just stay with us. We'll keep announcing more information as, as we get the information. Um, and then yesterday was another press release. And the reason why Charles is sitting there with this look on his face is because Charles writes the press release. So what? I had the nerve to ask him today. Charles, did you see the, the press release on that went out yesterday? And he went, I wrote the press. I'm like, I know that, sir. I'm just asking you, did you see it? So is this the first time you're seeing it? This is the first time I'm seeing it uh, outside of my computer. I hate you so much, man. Can you just can you just act like you have some level Whoa. of interest? <laughs> but anyway, yesterday's press release was a foundation press release, and we announced uh, that we have uh, an entirely new board of directors. So we welcomed in a couple of producers, Stephanie Frederick, two-time Emmy Award-winning producer, Stephanie Frederick. Right. Uh, from Braun, uh, the CEO of Braun, or the co-president or co-CEO of Braun, Brenda Gilbert, joined us. We also uh, welcomed um, Lance Kramer, who's a DC filmmaker who did a film called a document documentary filmmaker who did a film called The First Step with Van Jones that played at our festival. So he's joining our board along with Frank Shi, who's a physician uh, out of Colorado, and which also will join Judith Fitzgerald, our chair, who's our vice chair, Dr. Ivan Walks, who's the chairman of the board. And there's one guy guy left, some guy named Tim Gordon, (laughs) fills out the rest of the board. So that was announced yesterday. Uh, So it's been a big week, man. I'm trying to breathe because it's funny. Um, I was talking to, you know, a guy that used to do this show every week, Wilson Morales. And Wilson was like, you funny. (laughs) I'm going to let Wilson know you said who. (laughs) But I was talking to Wilson. Wilson was like, Man, how much longer are you going to be a film critic? And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's been 31 summers, man. It's been a long time. But but I will share this with you. Had a conversation with Travis Hobson as well, right? Okay. Another guy that appears on the show. And Travis, I think, encapsulated kind of where I am as a reviewer these days, as a critic. I'm just bored. Like, there's really... I mean, you understand what I'm saying, Charles, when you've seen... Like, so much stuff over three decades. Like, it ain't really nothing new. Right. I mean, and that's exactly what it is. You've been at this for 30-some years. Yeah. So everything seems derivative. I mean, everything you've seen, you've seen before. There's very little new under the sun. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I, I tell people all the time, one of my one of my mentors and the guy that, that uh, took me under his wing when I first got in the game was Arch Campbell. And as much as I love Arch Campbell, I'm not trying to have that career. I'm not trying to be a 75-year-old film critic. Man, I just, I'm, I, so, again. We love Arch Campbell. I love him. To, I mean, Arch is my dude. He's, I mean, he's my come dude. on, man. Arch, Arch and I, we are, we are cool day lie right now, right? Exactly. But everybody's path is different, right? Yes. So creating this foundation 20 years ago. You know, r- running these award shows, running this film festival. These are my attempts in order, as we talk about legacy, of the things that we'll give back. Charles has got to decide what's Charles' legacy. I, I, I'm pushing, is it true that I'm pushing you guys all the time? I'm like, y'all got to get out there, man, and find, 
finds a lane. Like baby birds out of the nest. <laughs> I like, told Charles. Get out. I do told Charles. By the end of this year, if you have not gone <laughs> to the Writers Guild and registered as a writer, we gonna fight. You and Lenita both, y'all. I mean, seriously. I mean, what's the point? It's not. It's not. Hang out the Tim Gordon shadow. You got to get out and do your thing. The Writers Guild. Writers my, Guild. My yeah. IMDb page. All these things. I'm. I'm. I'm got to get it yeah, done, bro. Yeah, yeah. This is. This is your career, man. You gotta. You gotta figure out your. Your path is not my path. You know. I look at. Uh, you know. I have conversations a lot with uh, critics like Sean Edwards and Wilson Morales, and we talk about this kind of stuff. Because these are guys who are in my peer group who've been doing this for 25, 30 years, right? So, you know, Sean is out sitting on the board of the, of the Critics' Choice Association. You know, he's running film festival in Kansas City. Uh, what is it? Juneteenth, KC. You know, he's out. He's doing he's his doing, thing. I'm out. I'm, and look, and I'm happy. I'm, everybody's got to have a thing that they're doing. Travis, I've been pushing in for years. Travis, get out and get a film festival. You love wrestling. Do a wrestling film festival. I don't know. A wrestling film festival. I don't festival. know. I'm just saying. <laughs> is this, I'm a, just is this saying. a film festival with wrestling movies or sir, are we going to wrestle it, in the sir, festival? Sir, as I've told you <laughs> privately, and I will say it publicly here, uh, every film festival that exists is pretty much the vision of whoever created it. Correct. Right? Yeah. So when you go to Sundance, Robert Redford had a vision about bringing people to the cold. I mean, think about how gangster that is. <laughs> You've been to Sundance. Sundance is not warm not in January. Not at all. And the fact that you have convinced thousands of people over 40, they're celebrating their 40th anniversary in January, yeah. right? 40 years, Shane, they've been bringing people to one of the coldest spots. And now it's beautiful out there in Park City, Utah, but it's the vision of Robert Redford that he would create something that was industry, it was indie. I mean, Sundance is Sundance. It is. And I I go every year, so I know Sundance is the bomb. Tiff, I don't know who created the Toronto International Film Festival, but Charles is going, you know, as, as Kevin Hart once said, you're going to learn today. <laughs> you you going to find out just how many movies are playing at Toronto. Because remember, when you get there and you check into the tip light box and you go get your pass, and, get my, and as soon get as, my as you come pass, out, pass as soon movies. as you come out, you get the Scotiabank uh uh, multiplex and there's 24 screens in there and they take over the, the entire multiplex for two weeks. So every movie that plays in there is a festival movie. You'll see coordination like you've never seen before as they are routinely getting people in. You're at this movie and you're going in this line and you're in theater one and you're in seven and you're in 21. And I was like, yo, <laughs> it's like military precision when you get the tiff. I can't wait. In a way that's very different from Sundance. So I say all that to say, uh, getting back to the original conversation, that every film festival, you clown and Travis, Travis might have a vision to partner with the Alamo. I'm not clowning and Travis. You know, they I'm got clowning the DC, your idea of a wrestling They got the DC film Wrestling Film Festival. festival. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be the first one sitting there like, <laughs> I probably would be. <laughs> so yeah, man. So that's what's up. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else we missed uh, that that we should be talking about this week? Um, hmm. Nah, not, I mean, like you said, it's really just a quiet time. Everybody is on a strike line, and so it's it's, well, it's just what's well. We got we got four movies to talk about this week, and I and I 
purposely did this because we didn't, there's no script. We just have experiences because we each were sitting in movies and I can't wait to delve into these stories. So before we get started, man, uh, it's like almost 12 minutes after. And we're going to start off, of course, with uh, Charles's favorite movie, because that's how we get down, man. So we're going to do uh, Talk to Me first, brother. Now, Talk to Me is uh, an Australian supernatural horror film directed by Danny and Michael Filippo. Thank you, Filippo. Uh, this is their feature directorial debut, and it is written. You know what, man? I need to figure something out, man, because I'm in the middle of this, this description, and I got to figure out how do I blow up my screen. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, because I shouldn't be. Technology issues again. I got I to gotta be. You got to be better than this, Tim Gordon. You, you know. Excuse me one second. Uh, is there a sneeze button? <sighs> Thank you. There we go. Oh, God. All right. So, <laughs> of course, this film stars Sophia Wilde as a young woman who has become embroiled with the supernatural following a seance with an embalmed hand. All right. Um, Charles Kirkland. I didn't, of course, you know, if anybody See, watches this show, let me finish. Anybody who watches this show knows Tim does not do horror, right? I don't I don't even understand the concept, Shane, of people literally paying money to have somebody scare them. And I've always said that the best horror movie would be, oh, you want to be scared? I will send people to your house to surprise you, break in, and just do stuff to you. That makes more sense to me than saying, here's $25. I'm going to sit in the dark and have you scare me for an hour and a half. It's it's all of that stuff makes no sense. It's very nonsensical to me. So so you don't like the haunted hay rides and the and the horror houses and all that stuff. Sir, I'm black. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I don't even. I, I, and watch this. If you at home going, well, I'm black and I like horror. Okay, we're all not the same, right? Charles Kirkland is very different from me, right? And and I Thank watch God. this, and and I embrace that. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I embrace Charles's differences, uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm just Shane. Hold on a second, Shane. Are you a horror guy? Okay, no, he says he says no. Yeah, but yeah. That, I mean, I love, I it, love it. Shane. Do, 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 do you understand? Like, somebody can give me like Tim. Here's fifteen dollars. I was going to pay and see a movie, but you can scare me. Sure. I got a couple. Of, I got an hour and a half. I got, I got some good scares. <laughs> I don't, it's the same thing, Charles. Why? It's almost like I go to. I love comedy films, right? So I go to comedy clubs and I watch comedy. I'll spend some money and watch people make me laugh. It's the exact same concept. Is there a horror concept? Like you go to a haunted house or a haunted hayride? That's sure. Your, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, you, we're going to talk about Oppenheimer. And it's based on a book. Somebody out there is like, why do I need to see the movie? I can watch, read the book. That's not true. They just, yeah, they just want to see the movie in October. They don't want to see it now. That's, that's <laughs> but anyway, talk but yes, to me. So talk, talk to, to me, me, man. So go ahead. Uh, so this is where the, the disconnect is. because I, You know, I am not that much younger than Tim Gordon. But sometimes I am way younger than Tim Gordon <laughs> because Danny Michael Philippou are Raka Raka. And, and you don't know Raka Raka because they're a YouTube uh, phenomenon. They've been doing films on YouTube for 
decades. What is Raka Raka? That's their name. That's, both that's both Shane and I looking at you like this, like what the what? And so yeah, this is this is <laughs> this is out here. So what's getting black? For ten years, they've been making films on on YouTube. And ten years, ten years, Shane, ten years. And this is their first feature-length film that they've done on, and and it premiered at Sundance and drove people crazy. It's a story really about, and the funny thing is, the blackening happened earlier this year, and so the protagonist in this film is a black woman. And so because they're Australian, they kind of get away with the fact that, hey, black people really don't do this kind of stuff, being involved with Ouija boards and embalmed hands and all kinds of seances and all this stuff. But the but it actually plays well in this film, in thinking that, okay, th- maybe black people outside of the United States States are different than the ones inside the United States. And so you, you kind of go with that. And I have to say this is very creatively done. The uh, the cinematic style that the, the, the Racka Racka uses is incredible. Sophie Wilde is a, a star in the making and, and she shows her acting prowess in this movie. Um, and and there's our you know this it's really weird to be in a horror film that without jump scares there aren't very many jump scares there may be one or two but it is the subtext of horror that happens and you you know one of the greatest uh, films about possession is the exorcist yeah. and they channel this very well in this film and i again i feel like they're very creative they are outstanding storytellers, this this being their first one. And there's a possibility, of course, with any horror film that we could see more of this world that they're they're delving into. And so basically what happens in this film is they go to these these, uh, parties, teenagers, and they hold on to this embalmed hand and channel spirits. And the, sometimes the spirit is nice and sometimes the spirit is bad. And the, what happens in this film is the spirit is not very happy, not very good spirit. And they have to fight to get rid of the spirit. So, yeah. And it works. I'm saying this is actually a very good movie. And, and I give it an A. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, I, I want Shane to listen to this. Um, I just had to send a text. First, and let me finish that. All right. Um, one of the one of the things that I find to be interesting is that one of the reasons, and the show is called Keeping It Real, so we can keep it real right now. <laughs> one of the reasons I stopped watching these sorts of films is they started to collide with my my belief structure. Right? I, I understand where you're going with this. Right. So I. I'm a person of faith. And I didn't like movies that delve into supernatural and, you know, this whole other otherworldly element. The thing that I find amazing about <laughs> you, right? You're Pastor Chuck. I'm Pastor Chuck. You literally are a real-life pastor. Yes. I, it's not just a phrase I throw around. You're a real man of God. Why do these movies appeal to you? And I'm not being funny. I'm like trying to figure out how do you connect in your mind your love of God and then watch, what's the person's name? Raka Raka? Yeah. 
First of all, why is the man's name Racka Racka? Why are they using that name as a name? That's just the name that they use. I, I don't, so I don't how, understand. How were you able how to name. put these two together? And watch this. I know people at home are going, Tim, really? No, this is a legitimate question. I'm not being funny. How do you how do you make these two make sense? There are films that I've seen and that deal with this kind of stuff that are impossible for me to watch because of the way but they're so creative in this world that they've created here that I can and totally dissociate myself from this is not real. This can't really happen. I'm not worried. It's, it doesn't linger on me like another film would, say, The Exorcist. Because when you watch The Exorcist, that that thing holds on to you for a Man, while. Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, you'll, you'll find it shocking. I saw The Exorcist. The Exorcist, to me, is just a classic. I mean, I can watch The Exorcist now. Yeah. See, but I think part of what's different for me from a lot of these modern films, I think the last one was... Um, God, what was the name of that movie? The one uh, where there was some kind of spirit that was in the house and the people were asleep and they had a camera running and you could see they played it back. I forget the name of it, but that was the last one of those paranormal activity. And you know what freaked me out about paranormal activity? I I just bought a brand new house in D.C. and you know how a house has to settle. And I would be sitting in my house and stuff would happen. I was like, yo! No more paranormal activity. See, that's the kind of movie that where it lingers on you because there's no real resolution to this. In in this film, if you don't join in with grabbing onto that hand, I don't have any problem. All I know is if I don't hold that hand, I don't have to worry about any ghosts or demons or spirits or possessing me or whatever. But if if I'm watching paranormal activity and, and it just happens and there's nothing you can do about a ghost just coming at you, that's a problem for me. But I know, I know, I don't have to worry about that because I am not. And I will never allow my children to even go to a party where they having this kind of thing happening. I don't mess with Ouija boards. I don't do any of that kind of stuff because I know, as as a, a man of faith, I know that there are spirits out there. <laughs> Correct! And that's, and that's, and that, I know that's how the to, whole point I know how this. to defend myself Okay, so, so let me ask you this question, right? You do believe in a heaven. Uh, yes. And you believe in God. I do. So if you believe in that, you believe in the antithesis of those two things. Absolutely. Which opens the door when you watch these movies, man. That's why I'm like, okay. That's why I said I find it to be one of the most surprising things that that I know about Charles Kirkland Jr. It's just... Okay. I, you're able to disassociate. Watch this. I love gangster movies, but I'm not shooting people. <laughs> so I get it, right? I get it, right? I love The Godfather. I'm not, I'm not, well, yeah, I've you had are. thoughts. Yeah, but, you are. Yeah, but I've never, yeah, I've never acted on them. All right. So you gave this movie an I A. I gave it an A. I think it's one wow. of the, I think it could be the best film of the week that nobody will watch. <laughs> Good, good way to explain it. Then nobody <laughs> will watch. All right. So let me go to uh, my favorite movie of the week. One more thing. Yes. I, I mentioned the blackening. And in the blackening, the whole time, uh, they, they split up. That one scene where they split up and the officer right. says, why'd you split up? You're black. And that's kind of the whole feeling that you have in the movie. You're watching Talk to Me. You're like, you're black. What are you doing? You're black. <laughs> All right, before we move on, I just want to look at Shane one more time. Shane, are you going to get you a ticket this weekend for Talk to Me? 
Yeah, you didn't. He doesn't do horror, so yeah, I mean, neither of us, neither of us was swayed by your by your sexy dark argument. It, it doesn't matter because <laughs> they, they don't like horror, so it's not like I'm, if you like horror, you will love this film. Okay, all right. So uh, up next is a film that is debuting on Netflix tomorrow, and the film is called <laughs> They Clone Tyrone. It's a horror film. Uh, it, it is a. <laughs> Sci-fi <laughs> comedy mystery directed by Jewel Taylor in his feature film debut, Jewel Taylor, Salute Pippin. That was a good movie. A good movie. From a screenplay by Taylor and Tony Rottenmayer. The film stars John Boyega, Tiana Paris, and Jamie Foxx, who also produces the film, as an unlikely trio uncovering a government cloning conspiracy. David Allen Greer and Kiefer Sutherland also appear in supporting roles. All right, let's talk about Day Clone Tyrone, which, before we even start, is one of the more, you know, when I said earlier about how bored I am with films, this is really a good originals kind of story, right? It's not original like it's original, but it's like different, a lot okay, different. different. Okay, so Day Clone Tyrone centers on three characters, right? And I want to make sure I get the names right. It is uh, Fontaine. Right. Played by John Boyega, Yo Yo, <laughs> played by played by uh, Tiana, Tiana Paris. Paris, and a pip named a pip named Slick Slick Charles. Well, you know what's really funny? <laughs> I think they, the name came from the Boondocks. Instead of saying a pip named Slickback, they, they called him Slick, Slick Charles. They, was this Slick Charles? But he yeah. just went by Slick for the yeah. most part. And I don't know what. Some unnamed city that felt like it was either Memphis or Atlanta felt like it, uh, but it was called the, the Glen, Glen, right? And in the Glen, you know, uh, Fontaine, you know, is uh, is let's pretty much call it what it is. Fontaine's a drug dealer, uh, slick as a pimp, and Yo Yo is a. I didn't want to use that phrase, but Yo Yo is a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they call her a hoe. She says, she, she, see, see, she, Charles she keeps takes, using the name. Look, I'm looking at Shane's face. She man. welcomes it. She welcomes it. That's what she is. I'm going to let Charles just have that one. So, pretty much what's happening uh, the film sets up that we meet. The, you know, the film was all done through the, the POV of Fontaine, right? Fontaine is out, you know, dealing, doing what, what drug dealers do. And uh, he goes to make a pickup. From Slick. And when he goes to see Slick, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx, who plays an amazingly... I mean, Jamie Foxx is a really good actor anyway yeah, and a yeah. very good comedic actor. This this almost felt like red meat for Jamie Foxx. He just, <laughs> he just chomped on this character from start to finish, man. Like, great taglines, everything. I'm not going to ruin it. You got to watch it, right? Uh, you know, it was funny. You, you going through my haberdasheries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. Made me laugh. So pretty much. Like, ah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. You know, I was Pip of the Year in 1985. <laughs> but pretty much. So what happens is uh, Fontaine comes, comes to get his money. Slick doesn't have his money. He goes outside and he's already wronged somebody earlier in the film. And of course, he is shot and killed. Now. If the, if that was if the film was just a basic film, the movie be over. But since that happens in the first ten minutes, you know, <laughs> suddenly, look, look, suddenly, Shane, we get to the next day, 
And the man who got gunned down the previous day wakes up in his house. Already, you know, something's going on here. <laughs> With no recollection of what happened. No recollection of what's happening. Before. So I'm try- I'm even curious on how much I can tell people about the movie. I already said it's a cloning film. So, But let's just pretty much say that there was a film that came out 30 years ago that Spike Lee produced called Drop Squad. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Drop Squad yeah. was about... Look at Shane. I love this. This, this might have been before you were born. But there was a movie called Drop Squad about black people who, I guess the whole concept of the film is people who had forgotten their blackness. Like somebody, think Clarence Thomas would be somebody they would hijack and they would drop. (laughs) Am I I making this up? I can't believe you said his name like that, though. But okay, cool. Clarence Thomas. That's exactly it. You would drop Clarence Thomas. They would take him someplace. Deep, re, deep. Re-educate him. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, they they would call it they call it deprogramming, re-education. They would put class time in the chair and all kinds of stuff. But but you should see Drop Squad, right? Drop Squad will help you really identify and understand what they're trying to do with they clone Tyrone. The other thing about they clone Tyrone is uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You yeah, remember that one? Absolutely. So there's a little, uh, you know, sprinkling of that. You know, you think about a whole screenplay. You know, we're making a whole pot of stuff. You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else did I see in this movie. Um, a little bit of Sorry to Bother You. So, oh, yeah, yeah. It's got that surreal feel. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And um, so, yeah. So that was, so I thought that Tiana Paris was freaking great in this Incredible. movie. Incredible. She is, her yo-yo character is super funny because she's almost like a black Nancy Drew. Let me look at Shane. You know who Nancy Drew is, right? I got to ask because, you know, sometimes so, I'll be using references. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, so it's a murder mystery because they're trying to figure out that they feel that something's going on, right? And especially when they explain to Fontaine, like, you know, you was, was dead, dead yesterday. yesterday. How come you here today? So it begins this whole mystery. And one of the funniest parts in the film, and it's something that they stole directly from, what was the name of the Jamie Foxx show they just had on um, Netflix with David Allen Greer, where David oh, Allen Greer played his daddy. Um, oh, no. I thought you were talking about the vampire thing. No. What was it? What's the name of the Netflix? Come on, man. Can you Google for me? Jamie Foxx, David Allen Greer, Netflix. There's a show literally that they just canceled like last year. Uh, it, was some, it was something about Jamie Foxx and his daughter. I forget the name of it, but David Allen Greer, which who's like really eight or nine years older than Jamie Foxx, plays his father in this thing, which is ridiculous anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a scene and they clone Tyrone that literally is stolen. From that show. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Neither one of y'all with with fast internet can figure this out? Uh, Nope. Thank you. Dad, stop embarrassing me. So nobody ever watched that show? nobody watched that. You didn't watch that that either? No. There's a scene in Dad, uh, Stop Embarrassing Me, where... David Allen Greer, one day, I guess they were doing a play on something he did in, in Living Color. And he starts singing in like this incredibly high voice, but he's holding his note. <laughs> and he does it in they clone Tyrone because he's playing a preacher. It, 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 is, it is supremely funny. 
This movie, I think, works on multiple levels for me. I love the mystery aspect. I love the sci-fi element. It's so black. It is. It and is what I mean by that it is definitely is this us. like in the hood. So like like the opening where the dude is selling socks and he's like, come on, man, come come mess with me. He didn't use mess, but you know where I'm going yeah, with this. Yeah. Come mess with me. I got these socks, man. <laughs> I love how Joel Taylor, how black he made this movie. They cloned Tyrone. I'm also mad because we called Netflix up. And wanted this movie for the Light Real <laughs> Film Festival, which would have played well in D.C., y'all. But you gave it to my man, Jeff Friday, who's also from Newark. It's my homie, so I'm not mad at you. I, I just wanted to show it to people in D.C. I think it would have been a good it film. It would have been a great film. They clone Tyrone. I'm giving it a B plus, almost okay. like an A minus. Okay. So. Um, I know we got people in the other studio who are anxious to hear about this. I would watch They Clone Tyrone. Because it's not a horror film. It, it, it has nothing to do with a horror film. It's a really good movie. I'm just saying it's a really good movie. I don't I don't get into all this genre bending. I just know I'm not going to watch. But you won't I'm go just watch, going to talk watch, to me because watch devil films with 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 uh, possessed hands. It sounds like you're talking about genres. Really? Yeah, it does. You know, so so if there was a if there, if there was a hand sticking out of this table right now and you had to grab onto it for the thrill, would you do it? No. But but you'd watch other people do it. Sure. Wow. Okay. We go move on. I saw a movie last week where Tom Cruise jumped off the side of a mountain. Am I gonna do that? No. But I will watch him do that. Yes. Yeah. Tom Cruise is a lunatic. (laughs) We've already talked about on the show. All right. So I'm giving a B plus to Day Clone Tyrone. And if I were you, I would stay for the remix at the end (laughs) of Erica Badu's. They. Never mind. I don't want to mess it up. You better call they, Tyrone. They they recorded a brand new hook <laughs> that fits in with the movie. I was like, what does he say? <laughs> oh, my God. I love that movie, it's man. Genius. I've watched it's that genius. movie like four times already because they, they sent me a copy to the house. I've been watching it like sporadically. Let me let me go back and check this out again. I, I have scheduled time for the family oh to God. sit down and watch this t- this evening, so we're watching it. Although, Although, my boys wanted to watch Talk to Me first, so they, yeah. I'm telling you, it's a thing. We're black. Um, we're going to move on to our next film. <laughs> and that film, of course, is called Barbie. Uh, the mm-hmm. fantasy comedy directed by Greta Gerwig from a screenplay she wrote with Noah Baumbach. I'm going to stop right there because uh, you were good until you got to the Noah Baumbach part. What, was she? You know, no, 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 no. We're going to talk about okay, it, but I'm ahead. saying Greta Gerwig is fine. Yeah, she's pretty good. You can stop with Noah Baumbach. The last thing Noah Baumbach did was clear out of theater when we were at Middleburg last year. Remember that? Yeah. What was the name of that hideous White movie he noise. made? White yeah. Noise. White uh, Noise. Uh, since, since my friend is in the studio, he didn't hear this line. I asked a woman at the festival, what'd you think about this movie? She said, oh, that was some white noise. It was. And it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> it was. So that was Noah Baumbach's last movie. Here he comes with Barbie now. Okay, but wait a minute. Can I finish the description? Go ahead. Now? Go ahead. Based on the Barbie fashion dolls by Mattel, it's the first live-action Barbie film. Uh, this one, of course, stars Margot Robbie as Barbie, Ryan Gosling as Ken. Uh, it features a large ensemble, including America Ferreira, Kate McKinnon, Michael Sierra, Ariana Greenblatt, Issa Rae, Real Perlman, Helen Marin, and Will Ferrell. 
right, Charles, I'm going to let you go first, man, because I have some definite strong opinions about this movie. Go I, ahead. You know... In oh, the, by the way, in, we sat next to each other at this movie. Go in ahead, the Charles. history of the world, <laughs> I think Noah Baumbach, for me, is kind of like on the lowest tier of, <laughs> of people. I, I do not enjoy his film. People raved over Marriage Story. Well, now, I liked Marriage Story. I, I did not. I liked Marriage Story. And, and so I just don't, I can, but I can see. Because it was some white noise, too. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see his fingerprints in this movie that he does a lot of the stuff I think with that he, Ken was going through. <sighs> and and I call it I call it a lot of the second act. <laughs> a lot of the worthless. I, I, don't, stuff don't tell to me, me it's I, the second act. The second act. Yeah. So I, I was impressed. I really like Greta Gerwig, though. So, if I mean, there was a lot of stuff that she does about teenage angst and female empowerment that it works for this movie. Uh, a lot of people are going to go see Barbie because they're thinking about it's going to be cute to see Barbie and all this stuff. But this is Greta Gerwig, and she has intention when she does movies. And her intention is to talk about female empowerment. And... Uh, the angst that comes from actually being Barbie, or the Barbie creates in the world. And so I think it was smartly written in some places, and it's a lot of fun in some places, but there are times when the the train goes off the tracks. And so you you got a great beginning, uh, second act is in the pretty good third act to the film but on the whole I felt as I came out of the movie I'm like is this the kind of movie that I really want to talk about uh, am, am I qualified to talk about it as a yeah, as a black man to talk about it as a, as a, as a person because you're, you're it, it, it came across very White and female, too. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, that's why I let you go first. Because if I would have come being Tim, there would have been no place for you to go. So now there's a place for me to go. Go ahead. So, so you know, I, I, I appreciate the film for what it was. It just wasn't my cup of tea. I enjoyed a lot of things. And there were some parts where I'm having fun because Dua Lipa does her music and I love her Dua Lipa. But it just, after I left the film, I was like, yeah, okay, it's all right. Yeah. All right. Are you done? I'm done. All right. Here we go. Because, you know, I'm not Charles. Um, I loved the the actual opening of this film. I thought the opening was great, right? You mean I, the 10 minutes? Yeah, the opening, yeah. the opening sequence, right? And then once we get into it, the production design is absolutely stellar in this film, right? Uh, you know, the, 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 the pastels just pop off the screen, right? Um, Margot Robbie, who I've always been a huge fan of everything. Margot Robbie's fine, right? So to have her play Barbie makes plenty of sense. Ryan Gosling as Ken actually also makes sense, the way they kind of utilize his character, right? Um, I am of the ilk, after giving it a couple of days and thinking about it, that honestly, I don't even understand why Noah Baumbach had anything to do with this movie, because if we're telling a story about woman empowerment, Greta Gerwig is more than qualified in order to carry this entire film by herself. She's done films by herself. She didn't need Noah Baumbach's help, right? Because the, the point of view of Barbie and what they're trying to tell with the story is decidedly a, a, a view that comes from a woman. Yeah. And, and to Charles's point, when you talk about I feel like I'm not qualified. No, you have to acknowledge that this is a woman's story. Yeah. Right. 
So I love the fact that they made it as diverse as possible. They had all the different Barbie dolls. They had a lot of fun playing with some of the discontinued models and these people <laughs> that just kind of showed up and did their thing. I loved all that, right? right. Um, much like Charles, um, the second act left me a little lukewarm. There was a there was a couple of segments, man, for like twenty or thirty minutes where I was sitting there going, "I'm just black. I'm just not understanding this. This is <laughs> this is very white. It's very white. I'm, I don't get any of this, right?" So I'm sitting there. I look over because I'm looking at Charles and another colleague. I was sitting there. I'm like, "You getting this?" And they were like, "Nah, Mm-mm. nah, Mm-mm. we're not getting this at all." Um, the third act, I think, redeems the film, right? Because there's there's uh, so much about the history of what this doll represents and what Greta Gerwig's point of view. It's almost like when you watch the movie, you can tell this section is Gerwig. This section is Bombac. Yep. This section is Gerwig. Yep. And, and I want to see more Gerwig, less Bombac. Here's a movie, Charles, I think that needs a director's cut. Like they need to go back in and recut this possibly with, Greta Gerwig's <laughs> entire up, vision. Yes, yeah, you know, just re <laughs> retool the middle of the movie and then give it back to me again. But having said all that, man, I walked out with uh, a, a, a real appreciation for what that doll represented to women in a way that going in, yeah, yeah. I had no idea, right? And it also would have been a good companion film if we'd have had it at our festival. Uh, what was it called? Black Barbie? Yeah. Did you ever see Black Barbie? I did see Black Barbie. Black Barbie was a documentary that we had an opportunity to watch that the guy just wanted too much money. I'm, I'm not giving you all that money to put that movie in our festival. But it told the history of the African-American woman, women who were behind the creation of the Black Barbies. So I thought that movie and this movie... Would have been would have would have yeah. played better together, but yeah, having said all that, man, I'm giving this movie a C plus because the the middle of this movie was so strange and bland and all cinema matters to me. Get that all cinema matters yeah. that I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, I, come on, man, I'm, I'm I'm sitting right here, man. Like like, can you make the movie for anybody other than me? I gave the movie a straight C. I didn't do it. Damn, a, you went to a straight C? A straight C. Damn. I think the the roller coaster ride was not as enjoyable for straight me. Straight C, man. Uh, there were highs <laughs> and there were lows, but the lows went real low. We we, we talking to uh, the host of, of Raiding the Crates, John Avery's in the next studio. So yeah, I just want to yeah. make sure, because I know he was here for, for some of these reviews. And, and you know what really pained me mm. was I w- detested Will Ferrell's yeah, it, none of that stuff was needed. It, it, it almost felt like necessary. there were male characters in a male point of view. You didn't need any of that. It's Barbie. It's, yeah. Why are you dudes? And you know what it feels like to me? It feels like the Supreme Court. Did anybody ask you to, t- to, to mess with <laughs> women's rights? There was nobody. Like, I, I wasn't sitting in a barbershop and somebody went, you know what, dog? We need more abortions. Nobody said that. Said no one. Why is Will Ferrell's goofy character in this movie? Why is Noah Baumbach putting his finger, his fingerprints on this movie? There was no need. There was no need. Can the women just have their space? My God, I mean, man. Gerwig did Little Women and uh, what, what was Lady Bird. One? Lady Bird. Yeah. Hey, she's fine. Lady, lady and women were in the title. Why? Wow. <laughs> All right, man. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, C plus for me, Charles. Straight C. Straight wow. C. 
Um, so, so any other questions? Anything? Yeah. All right, let's get to the last movie of the week. But before we get to the last movie, I just want to explain to you the experience I had before the movie started. Which Oppenheimer. Oh. (laughs) Before the movie started. (laughs) Now, last week, or or as we should do on our show previously on uh, Keeping the Real with Film film Gordon, there was was a segment we did about... (laughs) I went to two movies in a row where I had to sit in the theater with no air conditioning in 2023, like now. So we were talking about, you know, studios wanting to bring people back to theaters. But now, since the pandemic, well, it's not actually over, but since the pandemic has sort of subsided, mm. we, we have the crappiest theater experience when people go to the movies now. You're, you're charging people more money. They get no AC, <laughs> uh, two bottles of water with fifteen dollars. Jesus. Yeah, man. I, oh yeah, man. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That look that John has on his face. That's exactly. So so let's fast forward to early this week. I go to see Oppenheimer. Mm. I'm in I'm in Arundel Mills. Arundel Mills. You're in Tyson's Corner. I'm in Tyson's Corner. Right. I show up. I swear to you, I'm not making this up. I walk in the theater. There's no AC. This is a three-hour movie. I was going to say, please emphasize the fact that this is a three-hour movie. Oh, oh, and by the way, both Charles and I had the identical thought. We both had dinner because I'm not going to eat dinner at like 1030 at night. So I have dinner. So I'm on a full stomach (laughs) in a theater with no AC. I'm like, this is a nap waiting to happen. This This is what it feels like. And we got these comfortable seats that recline back. I brought snacks. Look, look, look. I brought snacks because this movie's three hours long. Three freaking hours Now, as a rule, Charles, tell the people, I would normally not bring snacks to a movie. He he looks at me in disdain when I I open up my bag of gummy bears that I've snuck into the movie theater. I had some some vanilla wafers. (laughs) Um, So, needless, I'm sitting in the theater, and and, and, and I'm sorry if I'm rude because the person that that I did this to may be listening to this show. So, I had left the seat open, right, because I needed some space. It's hot. Like, I don't want you sitting on me. It's hot, right? (laughs) And this this woman, I'm not going to tell you her ethnicity, but by virtue that I'm explaining the story, you know it's not a sister. You get that? You yeah, see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, got that, got that. Uh, is anybody sitting next to you? And I said, Tim Gordon, nah, I'm leaving it open on purpose because it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes uh, to, the, to the other African-Americans sitting next to me, and they go, can you two move over because he's not nice, which I wasn't. And then, <laughs> and then he moves over. So I'm sitting next so to some huge 6'4 dude in a theater with no AC to watch a movie for three hours. So that's how, I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And I left out the most important part. As a rule, when we go see advanced screenings, we show up in the theater. Movie's supposed to start at 7 o'clock. We sit there at 7 o'clock. Movie you know, starts. movie starts. <sighs> no trailers. They played 15 minutes of trailers in a theater with no AC. As I'm sitting next to some 6'4 dude, I don't know. It's hot. And this movie's three hours. I'm sitting there incredulous like, with a full what in the F <laughs> is going on? Right? So this is how my Oppenheimer experience starts, right? 
Let's talk about Oppenheimer. So I set it up. So now here we're going to do Oppenheimer. This is going to be Oppenheimer fun. is a bio thriller written and directed by one of my favorite directors, Christopher Nolan, and based on the 2005 autobiography, American Pro- Prometheus. Uh, the film chronicles the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, a theoretical physicist who was pivotal in developing the first nuclear weapon as part of the Manhattan Project, thereby ushering in the atomic age. Cillian Murphy, uh, Matt Damon, um, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., and Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, all-star cast, Rami Malek, Kenneth Browner, all-star in this film. All right, so this is how it starts. And you could just keep going and keep going. So unlike last time, I'm going to go first this go time. because I, I got I got a lot of stuff on my chest. Yeah, you've so, already been going. So the movie starts, <laughs> and Charles tell me, did it feel like, I was like, is this the right movie, right? It's the right start, because the movie like started like in the middle. It wasn't no, it, it said, I think the, t- the opening line the Prometheus said, Prometheus stole fire. fire from the gods, and the gods chained him to a rock. And then we're in the second act of this movie. I'm like, did I miss something? <laughs> I turn around and look to the guy and go, this is the start of the movie. Somebody you shoot a real ain't out of order. Somebody missed the roll. <laughs> so it literally, the movie starts like in the, I don't know how to explain this to people when I say in the middle of the story. It's like there's no setup. They just drop you into this Oppenheimer story, and you're like, what the hell's going on? And then they play with time. So then we got the black and white. And then we got, we go back in the, he's in the 20s. And then we in the 50s. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm very confused. I'm very, I, I'm, I'm literally disoriented in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Because I, I kept thinking, they go, they punking us right now. They're going to come back and go, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we made a mistake. Uh, we got to restart the movie. That's what it felt like. I kept waiting for somebody to say that. And they never did. <laughs> so, so we get into the story going. of J. Robert Oppenheimer. And pretty much, I think one of the opening scenes, we see him being offered, uh, I guess, this job to run some institute. And he goes out and sees Albert Einstein out there. And the two of them go out. And this is early in the movie. And you, they have some words with each other. Uh, Einstein hats, hat flies off. Oppenheimer picks it up. Uh, Strauss, who's played by Robert Downey Jr., who hires Oppenheimer, is coming to see these two legendary people. Um, Oppenheimer is still standing there. Einstein grabs his hat, just brushes by Strauss with nothing. Nothing to say. And that literally sets the tone for the entire movie because Strauss is pissed in this little Insignificant man <laughs> who I've sw- I swear to you, I've never heard of this guy before. What's the character's name? Levi Strauss. Levi Strauss. I'm not talking about the guy that made the jeans. I'm talking about this guy who was uh he worked in and he worked as uh, the Atomic with Energy Committee. He, right, right, right. But I'm saying I've never heard of him in the story of the Manhattan Project. Like he is an insignificant character. For but a he's reason. a significant character in real life. But he's insignificant in, in all of the stuff that happens. But pretty much, Einstein walks by him in, in this encounter, blows him off, and he swears that Oppenheimer had said something to Einstein to turn him against to turn him. him against him. So that his mind, this alters everything that we later see in the movie, right? So that so that was a brilliant setup, right? We learned so much about Oppenheimer that you know he. 
had a, a young lady that that uh, he had a, a relationship with. My man was a player. That's all. Yeah, I'm gonna Oppenheimer, say. man. Oppenheimer I don't. I don't player. understand how Oppenheimer was getting these women. Like I, I really. <laughs> I'm very. Watch this. As a former player myself, I am game recognized game. But I kept looking at Oppenheimer and going. He has no game, but ladies love. I, maybe ladies like the big brain. Maybe ladies like the big no, brain. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Oppenheimer has a relationship with this woman who uh, they get together and have encounters, but she won't marry him. Right? Remember right, that she right, won't marry right. him. Oppenheimer meets another young lady. And uh, this other young lady and him get married, but he's still kicking it with kicking it with the other yeah, woman. Yeah, man. So Oppenheimer is a and, he's a, and the woman knows that. She, oh she's yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer was a beast. So, <laughs> but 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 let's get to the part of the movie that is really the selling point that he is developing this. He's he's brought in to head up the Manhattan Project, and we see small little bombs that happen. But that first time. They test out that A-bomb and the way Nolan shoots it because the brilliance of it is there's no sound. Right. So you see all this fire and explosion and you're like, what's happening? And then the sound comes. Because light travels faster than sound. (laughs) No, but I'm saying the way it's done in the film, (laughs) you're like, whoa. (laughs) So... I, so I'll cut to the chase and pretty much talk about because you only got about eight minutes left and you got to go too. I love the fact that I was ambivalent. I had moral and ambiguity about this, and Nolan does a really good job of telling that aspect of the story that Oppenheimer is here to do a job, but once he understands what he's built, yeah, it it, it messes with him to a point. That even when they come to attack him, he's like, hey, man, almost to, to say, yeah, I deserve this, man. This is <laughs> I've done this thing. I've created this thing. And whatever happens to me happens to me. I don't want it out in the world. I only built it as a deterrent for right. other people right. to not build one, not understanding that once you put it out there, everybody's going to want one. Right. So I think Oppenheimer the only thing and last thing I'll say about it is that it felt like the second act is the strongest act of the movie. Hmm. And it doesn't feel I mean, I understand what happened to him because we have to get to his story at the end of his life. It just felt like the film sort of peaked in the middle for me. I would love to see it again and maybe I'll feel differently. But for that reason, I'm just giving it a straight B. Really? Yeah, I'm giving it a straight wow. B, man. I, I love Christopher Nolan. I just think that the fact that we only have one one really good A-bomb kind of experience. I like the fact that we didn't show them using the A-bomb, but the fact of us testing it. Yeah, I give it a... I, I, okay, I'll bump my grade up to a B plus. I'll go okay. to a B plus. Okay. So what did you think about Oppenheimer? Um, like you, I think the climax of the film happens in the second act right at the time when the bomb actually is tested uh-huh. but that's two hours into the film and we still have an hour left and so <laughs> so yeah, yeah after, after the bomb explodes I love you Shane's still have the, all the fallout 
that happens literally <laughs> the fallout that happens after they've tested the bomb and that and that they're going to drop the bombs on Japan and mm-hmm. now uh, Oppenheimer is really conflicted in what he has done and I think Nolan does a great job of showing how at the beginning of it it's all academic theoretical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then once it becomes reality there's an there's a, a culpability that he feels for after creating this thing Oppenheimer does and I actually I liked the third act as a way of wrapping up the story and making us understand who Oppenheimer was um yeah, that secret villain in the film. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that, didn't see that one coming. You don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't see that he's a villain until the third act, and you were like, "Oh snap!" Didn't see that one coming, and you're like, and "Neither will you." Mm. <laughs> it, it really makes it really brings the movie home and gives us a greater appreciation for that actor who played the who who. <laughs> and once they re-release this film later in the year. May actually get some awards oh, consideration. He definitely get some awards. Oppenheimer, I've been saying on this show for the last month, should have been released in October or November. It, it literally is an awards film that you're you're putting out in the summertime, and they're talking about it's gonna make fifty million this week. I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. I doubt it. I really <laughs> believe it when I see I it. I mean, I know Christopher Nolan has power, and and people love to see his films, but they they did this with Tenet. They dropped it, and they shouldn't have. Well, yeah, that and, that was during the pandemic, though. That was a, that was a major mistake. That they were going and I think this it's one gonna is get a, people back to the theaters. I think this is, is a major not, mistake sir. as well because there is. I don't think with Barbie coming out, I don't think that. Any Anybody Mission really, Impossible on the second week. I, who really wants to sit in a movie theater for three hours in a in a movie that has no action in it? It's it's a oh, it's got some action. There's a bomb. He's <laughs> got some action. I mean, but for the most part, it's scientific theory and political intrigue, black and, and, and white. It, I mean, and it's and Los Alamitos. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's it's a tough watch. Uh, it's a good film. It's a really good film, but it's a tough watch, especially in the in the summer when people want to be entertained. Uh, that's what I've been saying. So we got about we got about a minute left, man. Uh, what did you what grade you give? I it? gave it a B plus as well. B plus, all right, yeah. B plus. So Oppenheimer B. Plus. Plus, we gave both of us were lukewarm on Barbie. I gave it a C plus. Charles gave it a C. You like talk to me. You gave it an A. I gave it an A. And I gave uh, they cloned Tyrone a B plus, which I still think is probably the best movie of the weekend. I rock with B plus. And, on and, that the, too, and the reason yeah. why I said it's the best movie of the weekend, of course, Christopher Nolan as a director with Oppenheimer, it's a a really good movie. But I'm saying for what we are where we are right now, yeah. I'm going to go home and watch They Clone Tyrone again tonight before it hits Netflix <laughs> for the fifth time. <laughs> for the fifth time. All right, man. So that kind of wraps it up for us. Um, on behalf of my guy, Charles Kirkland Jr., as we tell you guys every week, please see something good at the movies. We have given you a bunch of options, but if you come at me with this Barbie Heimer nonsense, because it's like five hours. If, if you see both those movies... I advise you to see Barbie last. Because if you see Oppenheimer last, you're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. We'll see you guys next week, man. Peace. (laughs) 